0: Hi, my name is Betsy Bolick, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, which you should, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy! Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Today's episode is a biography. The Pause Renew Next podcast has three types of episodes. Mostly, I do interviews about stories of faith, but I also like to mix in a few soul care episodes, which typically are counseling related, as well as some biography episodes. I love to do biographies of women of faith because the saints have a lot that they can teach us. I try to pick lesser known women of faith, and today's is certainly not well known, in our time, and in our culture. So I am proud to introduce you to her today. Today's podcast episode is about Esther An Kim. Now, her story takes place in Korea during World War II. And because I am not Korean, I will say that I'm not sure I got all the pronunciations correct. And so no disrespect was meant. I really did my best. So Esther An Kim was her married name and what she was known as later in life. But the name she was born with, was I Suk An, or An I So please know that I'm going to refer to her in a few different ways. You may hear me call her Esther An Kim, I Suk An, An I Suk, or Miss An, or Prisoner Fifty Seven. But know that all of those, <laughs> I'm referring to her. So at the beginning of our story, we'll find her teaching at a Christian school in Korea, probably in her early twenties. And under the time that this took place, Japan really had control over Korea. Now, Esther Ankim Kim knew much about the Japanese culture and their language because she'd been sent there by her father to receive a Japanese education. But as our story unfolds, we'll find her at a Christian school teaching girls music. At that time, the Japanese enacted commands that all people would worship at their shrines, which had been placed in every Christian church in Korea. Police were dispatched to every service to see that the people bowed down. Our story begins on the first of the month, the day that the Japanese appointed that everyone take a pilgrimage to the shrine and worship. So Miss An, as the children called her, as well as all of the other teachers, principal, and students, were called to the playground. The principal, noticing her tension, told her that no one there wanted to bow down to the heathen gods. But for the sake of the school staying open, they all must do it. So as they began walking towards the shrine, she heard her students whispering, Even Miss Ann is going. Now God will surely look over us. While they walked, she prayed, and she knew what she must do. She must not bow. As soon as she made the decision, she says that she felt like singing. But when she reached the shrine, uneasiness crept back in. She tried to pray, but found herself weak and stammered out her lack of courage. All together, the room full of occupants were called to attention and directed to bow before the Japanese sun goddess. Everyone bowed, except Esther Ahn Kim. As she walked back afterwards, she felt as if she had sealed her own fate. She knew there would be retribution and says that she was not afraid to die, but was very afraid of torture. And that was a real threat. Many Christians were persecuted and tortured. Sure enough, when she got back to the school, four detectives were already waiting for her. They took her to the office of the chief of the district, and she reports feeling completely calm, knowing that the Lord was sustaining her. The district chief began questioning her, and she could feel his anger rising. Then she felt in her spirit the Lord speak Exodus 14:14 14, 14 to her, The Lord will fight for you. Right away the phone rang, and he got up and left the room unexpectedly. She knew that God had fought for her, so she got up and with shaking legs walked down the hall and out of the building as if nothing was out of the ordinary. She and her mother, whom she lived with, decided to flee. So they disguised themselves in country women clothes and left the area. For a while, they stayed with her sister, but soon found a deserted home outside of the city. It had room for a garden, and it seemed a safe place to stay. During her time there, Esther Ankin began worshiping, praying, and memorized more than 100 chapters of the Bible and many hymns, She was trying to prepare herself for prison life, where she would no longer have access to any of these things. She and her mom were often visited by other Christians and were told about the terrible torture of faithful pastors in prison. This made Anaisuk begin to think about how unprepared she was, physically and spiritually, for that kind of persecution. So she began to prepare herself for pain and deprivation. She decided to fast for three days. And after she had accomplished that, she decided to fast for a week. Although it was extremely difficult, she felt she had a new power in prayer and understood Scripture better when she was finished. Then came the day that her sister came to tell her that the Japanese had found her and she must move again. So she traveled and tried to find a place to remain. And as she did, she urgently felt God impress on her to go to Pyongyun. So that is where she headed. On the train, she saw so many Japanese soldiers, and she really felt sorry for them. She felt God was calling her to preach the gospel to the Japanese, although this definitely was something she was hesitant and scared to do. And for good reason. When she later told her mother about this revelation, her mother told her, the time has come for you to prepare yourself to die. So again, Estheran began to practice suffering. She would buy food from poor sellers in the market and eat all the rotten pieces herself as she knew that in prison she would get little and much of it would be rotten. One day, an old stranger visited her home and told her his name was Elder Park. He said God had given him a word, telling him to go to Pyongyin and find a Miss An. "'What did God tell you to do when you met me?' she asked. He answered, "'God wants to warn the Japanese. "'You are an excellent speaker in their language, "'but now that I have met you, I see that you are weak, physically and spiritually.'" Everyone is scared to talk to the Japanese, but you have been chosen by God, haven't you? She took this as a confirmation, but continued to pray about it. As she got to know Elder Park, she felt that his faith was so serious that while other believers seemed to be waiting for death, he was dashing for it. After praying and deliberating, she decided to go with him to Japan. She then began reading out of Ezekiel and also a verse from the book of Esther. And it was the part where Esther was about to go in and present her case before the king. And she said, If I perish, I perish. Thus, her name later on was Esther. And she named her book later, If I Perish. She set her face like flint and prepared to go. Elder Park told her that he would not need a passport, but she insisted that he had to follow the law. He said that if he were to go to the police department to get one, he would be jailed. Because Elder Park didn't have a passport, Miss An would not sit with him. Just as he had believed, the policeman passed right by him on the train, as if he wasn't even there. He gained entrance to the gangway without interference and with no passport. When they reached Tokyo, they visited a few generals, telling them of the way the Korean people were being treated and preaching the gospel. On March 23, 1939... The final session of the 74th Imperial Diet in Japan was nearing adjournment. There was a bill of religious organization that was to be voted on that would affect Koreans. Elder Park decided that since meeting and talking with the officials was not working, perhaps they should fight illegally. He planned to make a banner and announce a challenge, but in the end, he wrote out a bill of warning and threw it down into the assembly hall. In that moment, Estheran told the Lord, It is done. May it be your will. She was immediately taken to the police department and interrogated by a detective. She told him why she came to Tokyo, warned him to repent, and said that if Japan did not stop rebelling against God, that it would be ruined by sulfur fire. She was then imprisoned in Japan, but finally was sent home to Korea. There, she was followed by detectives and put on house arrest, being told, Go home and rest well, but if you move or go on a trip, you must report first. But she did move without giving an address, and when they caught up to her, she was arrested. Her story had spread, and already she was famous among the guards and other prisoners. She was moved between prisons and ended up at a small country prison. When her mom came to visit her, she reported about how the Christians in Pyongyang were being persecuted and tortured for their faith. Estheran felt that she must go to them. She wrote a letter asking to be moved to the Pyongyang prison. The superintendent warned her that it was a filthy place, but she persisted. Many weeks passed, but finally she was taken to the Pyongyang police station. When she arrived, she called out to all of the prisoners, I am Anai suk and I have moved to this prison. A clatter went up, and she heard people yell, Hallelujah. So clearly she was making a name for herself, because everybody knew who she was. They were all really encouraged by her faith. The smell there was so bad in the prison that she struggled not to throw up. She was told after a week, her nose would get used to it. After some time, police superintendent Kuga came to interrogate Estoran. During her questioning, she presented the gospel to him. He asked her, Are you saying that you would not worship the Japanese emperor, who is a living God? She answered, I would bow to him in respect, but not as a living God. That would be idol worship. He remarked that she seemed to have been made fearless. He asked if she was aware what misfortune would come to her for what she was saying. Yes, of course, she said, but I cannot lie, for Jesus never tells a lie. I quit, he said, and the questioning was over. On September twentieth, 1940, she and 33 other Christian prisoners were taken to the Pyongyang prison. She saw her mother on the way, and again her mother affirmed, You are going to die for certain this time. We will meet at the gates of heaven. So if you haven't already picked this up, her mother was really strong in the faith, like very strong in the faith, pretty serious about it. So I want to give a little background on her. Esther An's mother was the daughter of a high Korean government official in Seoul, and she became a Christian at the age of eight due to the influence of a missionary. She had no Christian friends, but the missionary taught her four principles to live by, and she later taught her children these as well. Number one, Jesus is the only Son of God and His Savior. Number two, Jesus will never forsake His believers. Number three, Jesus is able to take misfortunes of His believers and turn them into good. Number four, Jesus hears the prayers of His children. So after she was married, she continued her faith, although her husband did not have the same faith. And when she could produce no male heirs, he took concubines. And after a period of time, she left him. I think that's definitely part of the reason why this woman is so strong in her faith, but also as a person. So back to the story. After being processed, she was given a number, 57, to which she was referred to the rest of the time she was in prison. She found out that once again her fame had preceded her, and many of the prisoners and jailers already knew who she was. She records many instances of interactions she had with prisoners and jailers. But one of the most amazing was when there was a new prisoner, number 92, who was brought in and she would scream and moan and it was really eerie and pretty much all the jailers and the people in the prison had wanted to have nothing to do with her. Everyone called her a maniac and it was said that she had murdered her husband. Esther On Kim asked if the prisoner could be brought into her cell. After some coaxing, it was done. The prisoner was wild, fighting and growling so Esther Ahn held her from behind until the fight left her. She then fell into a deep sleep and slept for three whole days. She smelled terrible, but Esther Ahn Kim sat with her, holding her feet to keep them warm, all the while she slept. Inexplicably, she felt her love for this girl grow, even though she was practically feral. They had a language difference, so to show her God's love, Esther Ahn gave the prisoner her portion of food. As they could begin to communicate, number 92 shared how she had murdered her husband and now regretted it. She cried and talked about the day she had been arrested, how the detectives had taken her baby from her and she didn't know where he was. Esther Ann Kim shared the gospel with her, and her life was transformed. She was later executed for her crime, but walked with peace to the end. In her memoir... Esther Ankim Kim talks a lot about many of the events that happened in prison, although for this podcast I didn't have time to talk about all of them. But I did want to share how the Lord continued to provide for her needs, even in the midst of prison life. Cold was her worst fear, worse than almost anything else. When very cold one day, she wanted to cry out about her sadness and frustration, but was afraid that jailers would think Christians were miserable. So she sang hymns instead. Very soon, the door of her cell was opened, and the jailer threw in a large package. Inside was a complete set of clothing, quilted with cotton for warmth. She spread out a warm blanket and sat on it and worshiped God. Another time, a mother was sentenced and brought to prison with her little boy. The boy attached himself to Miss Ann and wanted to never leave her side. When the doctor prescribed fresh air and exercise for the little boy, they allowed Esther Ann Kim to go with him outside. During these times, she could breathe fresh air and move freely. Slowly starving was also a real fear and a daily reality. She talks about how eating made it worse because there was never enough. She also talks about how starved she was for color. All she could look at were bricks and prisoners' clothes. To help her eyes, she would look up at the blue sky and white clouds through the tiny window in her cell. Another time the Lord provided for her was when she craved apples. She could not stop thinking about apples and began to pray that the Lord would please send her an apple to eat. Uh, She'd already been in prison for a few years at this point. Soon, the jailers announced they'd been given rotten apples and that the prisoners could have them. They were so rotten that just touching them made juice come out. As she had prepared for before jail by eating rotten fruit, the blessing felt amazing to her. She said that her teeth were so bad at that point, she would not have been able to eat a healthy apple. God sent her apples that she could eat. She describes a lot of miracles as well. For instance, one morning she was called to court, but when she arrived at court from the prison, everyone was in an uproar. It was announced that Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor, and no trials were held that day. Because she was in prison for many years, under pretty poor conditions, her health began to fail. She began to go blind, Finally, she was released from prison on the basis of her health crisis, but after being released, she met her mom, who said that she too was having health problems, and she also was blind, and so was everyone else, she said, because of the scarcity of food due to rationing. She encouraged her daughter to go back and serve her sentence for Christ, and don't you know, she did. The senior officer, when she returned, said, I have never seen anything like this. The daughter is great, but the mother is greater. On August 15, 1945, the news reached the jail that Japan had surrendered and the war was over. Two days later, they were set free, and the Christians were the first to be released from prison. 34 Christian prisoners had entered the Pyongyang prison, and only 14 walked back out. Esther on Kim had been in prison for six years. She remembered the prophetic word with which she had warned the Japanese officials. God would rain down sulfur fire on Japan if they did not repent. And she felt ashamed that she had doubted it would come true. Because atomic bombs had been dropped in Japan. As the Japanese cleared out of Korea, Russians from the north began coming into the country. It was a dangerous environment under the communism and soldiers that were brought in from Russia. Esther An Kim and her family bravely moved to South Korea, and that could be a whole different story. After beginning a new life in Southern Korea, she met her future husband, Kim Dong Myung, who was a trained engineer. Her mother had always prayed that she would marry a pastor, but she refused, praying instead she would marry an engineer. She got her prayer answered, she married an engineer. But her mother also got her prayer answered, because he later became a pastor. After the war, Esther An Kim was invited to America to travel and to tell her story. She wrote a book called If I Perish, which is where I got the majority of this podcast information. There are so many details and stories that I was unable to put in this podcast due to time constraints, as well as some issues of torture that really would have been unsuitable for younger listeners. So if you'd like to find out more about her story, Go read her book. I'll tell you, this biography is amazing. And Esther Unkim's faith really challenged me. I noticed that although she had a strong will and a strong faith, as she doubted, she would pray each time, and the Lord provided her with strength, resolve, and peace for each situation that arose. He even provided people in her path to help her. She used every interaction to spread God's love, And that really challenges me. What did you take away from this story? I'd love to hear about it. You can comment under the show notes section of this podcast on the website, pauserenewnext.com, or join the conversation on our Facebook page. Please follow PRN on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. You can find us on almost any podcasting app. And please write a good review on iTunes. Good reviews help new people find this podcast. Well, that is all for this episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.